Good morning. Would you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to be back again. I wish the room was full of people, but there's a few folks here. It's great to be with them, and at least virtually we can be together as best as possible today um, on this sixth Sunday in Easter. You know, one of the texts appointed for today is this great lesson from 1 Peter. Don't you love it? It's so practical. He just outlines a whole set of instructions about how we're to behave. And, you know, if you're a disciple of Jesus, one of the things that's helpful is to know what God expects of us. So this is one example of many texts, really all over the scriptures, where we're given a list of things God wants us to do. And it's pretty straightforward. And it looks like the right response is simply to get busy and do them. But there's a problem. Maybe you've experienced this problem. You start to get busy to do them and you kind of hit a wall. And you realize they're not that easy to do. They don't come that naturally. If I just sort of rely on my own, my own willpower, kind of, kind of pulling up my bootstraps and getting busy doing what God wants me to do, they don't come that easy. And so when that happens, sometimes what people do is they just sort of go, well, I'm saved by grace, so I'm really not going to worry about that stuff that much. That's one thing some people do, kind of set aside other people. They kind of pretend and act like they've got it together and they're doing all this stuff when really they know inside they're, they're really struggling to get it done. Well, what gives? I mean, why would Peter, why would Peter give us these, these instructions, these helpful, practical commands to live by to be faithful disciples if they're so hard to do? And here's the answer to that question. You can't live for Christ unless you abide in Christ. You can't live for Christ unless you abide in Christ. That's the lesson that Jesus is giving us in John 15. Let me read verse five again. I think this is the heart of the lesson. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For, and here's kind of the money quote, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you wanna live for Christ, you have to abide in Christ. Here's the picture Jesus is painting for us. So imagine a vineyard. Imagine that, that painting that Katie showed a few moments ago. And you see this vine. And there's a long vine. And there's branches and clumps of grapes hanging off all the branches. And some of you have been to vineyards. You see what this looks like. Or are other plants the same principles at work? You have this fruit. And the purpose of the vine, the reason you plant the vine isn't just to have a vine. The reason you plant the vine isn't just to have branches. The reason you plant the vine is to get grapes, to get fruit. So, how do you get the fruit? Or how do the grapes come? They just come. If you plant the vine right and take care of the vine, take care of the branches, they just come. It's fruit. It's the outgrowth of the life of the vine. 
That's the lesson Jesus is trying to press on. Now, it's an analogy. It, it doesn't perfectly fit, so I'll, I'll talk about where it, where it changes in our experience in a moment, but, but, but stick with the picture for a minute. What he's trying to say is, I want you to be fruitful people. He says in this text, by this is my Father glorified. God's name is put in the spotlight when you bear much fruit. What Peter describes in 1 Peter, that lesson we read, that's fruit. That's one manifestation or one list of manifestations of the fruit of the life of Christ. And Jesus is saying, what I'm calling you to do, you can't do on your own. It's not like I'm sitting back here and I'm giving you commands. I'm telling you to get out there and get it done. What I'm saying is there's a life I've lived. The kind of life God wants, I've lived. The kind of life God called Israel to live, I lived. God called Israel the vine, and Jesus is saying, I'm really the fulfillment of that. I'm the true vine. And the life I lived, where I perfectly love the Father and perfectly love my neighbor, I can and I want to live that life through you. That's discipleship. It's not Jesus way out there and we have a set of rules and we go try to obey them. It's Jesus right here and I abide in him and his life comes through me. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Now, where our experience in abiding is different than the illustration of the vine and the branch is this. Grapes and branches are completely passive. They're just there and they just bear fruit. But we actually have to do something. And Jesus tells us in this text, we have to make the decision to abide. We have to make the decision to be in communion with him. We have to make the decision to stay connected, to remain in Jesus. And what Jesus tells us is that's really really the threshold in our walk with him. It's more about choosing to lean into him, choosing to abide in him so we can walk as disciples. If you want to live for Jesus, you've got to abide in Jesus. Now, there's kind of a couple of ways I think people think about living for Jesus wrongly. I think they help re- these, these help reinforce, reinforce what I want to say here. One is what I'm going to call the activist approach. And I've already kind of alluded to this, but let me, let me dig into it a little bit deeper. The active, activist approach is this. I'm a disciple. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be an excellent disciple. I'm going to prove to all you people that I can be a great disciple. I have all these commands. And of course, Jesus expects me to step up the plate, get focused, get after it, get her done, and I'm going to do it all. Come on, some of you have had that attitude at some point in your life. That's maybe an extreme way to say it, but it's sort of like, this is all on me. And Jesus expects me to to measure up, to stand up and fly right. That's the activist approach. Sometimes people try that, and it doesn't work, so they go to the opposite approach. I'm going to call it the quietest approach, or, or maybe it's the hippie Jesus approach. It's kind of like, hey, man, it's all grace. I can't do anything anyway. So I'm just, Jesus wants to change me. He'll change me. That's up to him. I'm just going to lay back and just sort of be passive. Just be quiet and wait. There's a logic to both of those positions. Problem is, they're both wrong. They're both wrong. Neither one of them work. They're not how Jesus designed it. The way Jesus designed, designed it is this. The truth in this position is you can't live for Jesus if you don't abide in Jesus. The truth in this 
position is I have to be intentional and be committed to perpetually and consistently abide in Jesus. Abide. What does he mean? I mean, you know what the word abide means. It means to live or live in like you abide in a house. But, but what's he getting at? What's the reality Jesus is talking about? What I think he's saying is this, is, is what he's saying, and, and he unpacks this in other parts of this upper room discourse. He says, I'm going to leave. I'm going to ascend to the Father after I die and rise from the dead. Then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, what he will do is he'll take what's mine and he'll disclose it and give it to you. He'll be my presence with you while I'm in the heavenlies. And your job is to stay connected to him. That's how you abide to me. Because the Father, Son, and the Spirit, in this great mystery of three persons, yet one God, there's only one will, only one purpose. If you connect to one, you connect to all three, completely inseparable. So through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can abide in Christ. We can stay connected to Christ. We can stay connected to Christ so that the life of Christ can come to us through the Spirit in us and bear fruit out of our lives. How do you do it? Well, I want to talk about two ways, two kind of general ways. One is what I'm going to call general abiding, and the other is moment-by-moment abiding. And I think it's the, the intersection of these two things, that if we can live here, this is where we really can experience the life of Christ, and we really can live as disciples. So let's talk about general abiding. There's four practices that Christians have, for 2,000 years, said, this is how you abide in Christ. There's four practices that show up in the New Testament. They even show up in the Old Testament. They show up over and over, four key practices that we do that enable us to encounter Christ. And the reason these practices help us abide in Jesus is because Jesus comes to us through these practices. He meets us in these places. It's not the doing of the practices that make the difference. The practices are the pathway to encounter Jesus. The first one is the practice of abiding in God's word. In fact, Jesus alludes to it in this chapter. The Bible is one of the places we meet Jesus. And so if I want to abide in Jesus, I have to abide in Scripture. There's just no way around it. You can't end run that process. It's how it's designed. In fact, Jesus says, abide in me, and then he parallels it with the phrase, abide in my words. It's almost like the same reality described two different ways. It's interesting. There's a Christian organization called Lifeway, and they did a, they did a, re- a research study all over the U.S., like thousands of churches. And they were assessing um, kind of the, the degree to which people live as faithful disciples. And they were going to look for what are the contributing factors that kind of enable people to do this. And they came up with a whole list. But at the top, not only at the top, but in terms of numbers, way ahead of everyone else was one practice. And they called it Bible engagement. And the study shows the degree to which you engage in the Bible is the degree to which you bear fruit as a disciple. More Bible, more discipleship. Less Bible, less discipleship. And it just showed up over and over and over. We didn't need that study to know that because Jesus says that the scriptures say that. So I'm not going to do a deep dive into how you can get in the scriptures. That's for another teaching at a time. But I just want to say to you, a commitment to be in the scriptures and to build in your life to a point where it's a daily practice 
is central to abiding in Jesus. So if you want to live for Jesus, you have to abide in Jesus. And you abide in Jesus by abiding in his word. Second practice is prayer. Prayer in all its different forms. But one thing any kind of prayer always does, even the prayer we're doing now in the liturgy, it's an encounter with Jesus. It's always a connection point to Jesus. So if I want to walk with Jesus, if I want to live for Jesus, and I want to abide in Jesus, I've got to practice a life of prayer. Third thing, Holy Communion, the Eucharist, the Eucharist. And that, that practice where the body of Christ comes together and through, through God's shepherds, this sacrament is consecrated and set apart. Jesus shows up in that for us and with us and ministers to us in a way that's analogous but different than through the scriptures, analogous but different than through prayer. He, he says, it says in scripture, he gives us his very life. He gives himself to us. And so the third way we abide, in terms of general abiding, a third practice is Holy Communion. And then the fourth practice is this, it's Christian fellowship. And I think that can mean just hanging out, but I think it's a little more than that. I think it's that, that place we go with other believers where we share our life in Christ together. There's a means of grace in that. There's something Jesus does in that. He shows up because we are his body. He is present among us. He's present in us. And he meets us in that encounter with other believers. Well, we could take each one of those and do a series of sermons to explain how to deep dive into that. But I just want to say that if I want to be a person who lives for Christ, then I have to abide in Christ. And I have to embrace these general practices. A life in scripture, a life in prayer, a life in the Eucharist, a life in Christian fellowship. That's general abiding. Those are the practices we do regularly to be connected to Christ. But then there's what I call moment-by-moment abiding. And that's when you're moving through your day, and you're either tempted to sin or you're prompted to obey. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you're, you're in line at the store, and that person in front of you is taking way too long, and the impatience starts to rise and the anger. And it's not that, you know, maybe they shouldn't be going faster, but your reaction is getting out of bounds. You're tempted to go to the place of sin. That's temptation. Or, or you're prompted to obey. Like in my household, one of my jobs is to do the dishes. I don't like doing the dishes. But I do it to serve my wife, to honor my wife, and to serve my family. And I know Jesus wants me to do that. So it's amazing how, like sometimes in the morning when I'm reading the scripture with the Lord, how I'll stand up and immediately the thought will come, you should do the dishes. It's probably the Holy Spirit prompting me to obey. Well, that's another place where we can abide. So how do we abide in those moments? What does moment-by-moment abiding look like there? It looks like this. We do those things with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I know that you know that this person has taken a long time. I wish they'd go longer. They'd they'd go faster. But I need your help right now. Would you help me just be patient? I I just look to you right now to kind of be with me and help me. I just give my impatience to you. And it's amazing. If you do that, it actually works. Now, the feeling might not immediately go away, but your, your intention and your attitude will shift, and you'll step into the place Jesus wants you to be. Or 
you know, you're being prompted to do the right thing and you kind of don't want to, you have a talk with Jesus. Jesus, I know you want me to just help me to be faithful and do what you're calling me to do right now. I need you to help me. I need you to live your life through me. And in fact, that's what's going on. See, what you're doing in those moments by including Jesus in the experience is Jesus has encountered all those things and he was always faithful and he wants to be faithful in you and through you. If you want to live for Christ, you have to abide in Christ because the life Jesus calls you to live, he has already lived and he wants to live it in you and through you. That's what's going on in John 15. I love the Old Testament lesson that we read. The picture, the imagery is different than John 15, but I think the reality is the same. It's a description of God and what he does for his people to restore them and give them life. And it's just full of promises. It's just a list of promises. And basically God says, listen, if you'll look to me, I'll let the rivers flow. If you look to me, I'll feed you, I'll take care of you. If you look to me, I'll sustain you. And then verse 20 says, I'll do that, that they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. You know, someday we're gonna all stand before the Father. We're gonna stand before the Lord and give an account for our lives. And if we were faithful, here's what we will not say. We will not say, God, look what I did for you. Because we will know in that moment that everything we did for God, God did through us. And what we'll do is we'll praise him and glorify him for his grace, for his power, for his mercy. You know, it was 38 years ago that I bowed to Jesus as Lord of my life. And for me, it happened in a particular moment. I remember when it happened. It was August 16th, 1982, and I was at a, a worship service. And the most, the most moving thing that happened to me is from that moment on, I began to have this experience of like, I've always believed in Jesus. I've always believed he's real. But it's like he's right here with me now in a way I've never experienced. And there's like this something in me now. It's like, like all the things Jesus wants me to do, I really want to do them now. What, what's going on? Where's this coming from? And then I found myself having a new kind of power in life in me to do them because Jesus was present. I've been following him 38 years and I have not always abided. And so there's sin I've had to confess and repent. There's people I've had to humble myself to. But what I've experienced from that moment forward to now is this truth. If you want to live for Christ, you have to abide in Christ. And if you choose to abide in Christ, he will always Abide in you. Amen.